Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. I've had the opportunity to meet several of my favorite NFL players and coaches over the years, men like Frank Wycheck, Eddie George, Jeff Fisher, and Mike Vrabel top the list of men I've had the chance to talk to and get pictures with. But what if your favorite NFL player was also your dad or maybe even a relation to you? What then? Today, we're going to talk to Ken Riley II, a man whose father, Ken Riley, played cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals. While that is awesome in and of itself, that doesn't paint the the entire picture of how great Ken Riley's career was, the number 65 does. Join us today as we talk to Ken Riley II and see what makes football family to him. If you want to join us at this podcast and talk about what makes football family to you, you can reach me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarlane or at the Football is Family podcast Facebook page. We'd like to welcome everybody back to Football is Family podcast, and I have a special guest, and I'm really pleased for this. Uh, if you would like to introduce yourself, my friend. Well, um, my name is Ken Riley II. Uh, Ken Riley Sr. was my father, uh, who played cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals from uh, 1969 to 83. Um, at, the age, at the moment of his retirement, he was fourth all-time. Uh, and now it's currently fifth all time uh, on the interception list. Now, I was, uh, I, I'm going to tell you how deep of a research I, I did, Mr. Ken. I went on my Madden game and I wanted to see <laughs> what it was like. And if you, uh, if you have any of the Maddens for the last five years or so, they have the all time list of passers and runners. You know, Peyton Manning's up there, Emma Smith right. is up there, Walter Payton is up there. And I said, I want to see if uh, Ken Riley is up. He is number five. And it's amazing because I want to list the people who are behind him, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, At 65 interceptions, he is above Charles Woodson, who is just one of the best uh, cornerbacks. They're actually tied. They tied. He is 65. That's right. That's right. Okay. Ronnie Lott who, if you don't know who Ronnie Lott is, he is probably one of the scariest men to ever play safety, ever. Right, right. Ed Reed, and many of you probably will know who Ed Reed is. These are men that your father either tied or beat. And the problem is, the problem is he is not wearing, he is not in the uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Now, when I was looking at this, uh, I, I, I pride myself for knowing a little bit about every team, but I fall short in Cincinnati. My, my memories of Cincinnati was probably 86, 87, 88. Okay. With Icky Woods, James Brooks, right. um, and Boomer Sison. Can you give us a little bit of history for your memories of Cincinnati? Um, well, 
As long as I can remember, uh, I I remember Cincinnati. You know, um, started with uh, Ken Anderson. Um, well, actually, well, that's I can remember Ken Anderson playing. But the guy that my father always talked about saying that if he wouldn't got if he wouldn't have gotten injured, um, he would have definitely won a couple of Super Bowls for the uh, Bengals, and that was a uh, great cook. Yes, he said that he was. Um, he was a, a great player, and unfortunately, he got hurt before his career was able to really take off. But uh, as far as uh, the Bengals, that, that was my era with Ken Edison, who also deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Isaac Curtis, yes. uh, Reggie Williams, uh, Ross Browner, uh, Jim LeClaire. Uh, like I said, I can pretty much go on and name a, a lot of the players just because, you know, I, I just analyzed them uh, growing up. Now, I, I heard your interview, and this is how we got in contact uh, on the football history dude with Arnie. Right. And he said that you're, you lived at this time at, in Tampa Bay. Am I correct? In the, well, it's outside of Tampa, about 40 miles outside of Tampa, because uh, both my mother and father, they're from that area of Central Florida. So uh, we would remain at home and he would just uh during the season he would be in cincinnati and um you know after the season that was our home so did you get to spend any time around the facilities up at cincinnati i did so for thanksgiving i still have uh, some of the balls where the signatures of a lot of the guys so like thanksgiving we were out for a week we would uh always go up to uh, cincinnati and um you know so i would get to go to the facility when they have practice and you know, just hang out uh, for that time. So definitely some good memories. Now, I, I ask uh, my my guest about Thanksgiving memories, and, and this would be yours, that you get to see mm -hmm. your, your dad doing what he did great. And uh, who else did you get? If, if you could tell us one person that you were glad to meet during that time, I mean, that you could say that this was a person I was happy to meet, who was that? Um, I don't know if I can point out one because it it was kind of I guess normal for me at that point because like I said he played yeah. for 15 years so uh I basically just grew up around and seeing a lot of the players uh but some of the players that he were closer to like I say was Reggie Williams that was his roommate uh was a linebacker um you know when they out on the road and I actually got the chance to work for him uh at the wild world of sports where they're playing the uh you know the basketball is going now so he yes. was the uh, president so um isaac curtis uh lewis breeden who was the uh, other corner and uh, as well as lamar Parrish. so a lot of the secondary guys a lot of the defensive guys um you know they, they kind of come to mind a lot just growing up just because like i said you know he played defense now your dad had probably the coolest nickname ever yeah. can you tell everybody what that was uh the rattler and, and why uh, is that well um i guess it's kind of twofold uh, because that's actually where i went to school as well we went to uh, florida university and the mascot was uh the rattlers and so going up to uh, cincinnati uh you know, they call him the Rattler. And also because he kind of strike like a Rattler. Like you, well, you mentioned earlier how he was he was known for, like, uh, undercutting the receiver uh, in the, when they're in the air. So um, that now, nickname kind of fit him. Now, if you haven't seen uh, 
Ken Riley play football, which many of you probably haven't. Uh, you can go on YouTube and look. Uh, the one thing about the, the plays that I've seen your father do, uh, again, he wasn't the fastest, although he was incredibly fast, but he was smart. And I'll tell you uh, an interesting fact that I found out looking up Mr. Ken uh, Riley uh, about his info, but he would play the receiver like he knew what he w- they were doing, and there's a reason for that, wasn't there? He Well, he, he was definitely a student of the game. Uh, my father was actually a quarterback coming out of uh, college, so he was definitely familiar. I think that probably played a lot in uh, – him being able to read offenses because he played offense. And so it kind of translated once he became a defensive back, but he was definitely a student of the game. He actually kept a, a playbook of the wide receivers that he would play uh, on a yearly basis. And uh, so I think that also just translated to him um, being able to make the plays that he did. Um, but you have he was to. Definitely- you have to be smart and skilled in order to play. You said 15 years because right. uh, any of you who are on the wrong side of 40 like me uh, know that you're not as fast as you used to be. You have to be right. smart when you play that. And, uh, but he also, uh, and I thought this was incredibly awesome. Uh, he was a road scholar, hopeful. Yep. Now that is impressive because I think you don't, that doesn't happen very often for people to to be able to go and become a road scholar. No, uh, he was he was well rounded, and that's one of the things he emphasized with um, myself as well as my sisters. And that's one of the things I really admired about him is that, like I said, he was a student, a definition of a student athlete. Not only was he a great football player, but he also was a a, a great student and. I try to tell my kids the same thing that, you know, you need to put just as much effort, you know, off the field as you do on the field. And it translates, like I said, a lot of, well, I would say all of the great athletes, not only that's what separated the great athletes from the very good, because most of the great athletes are students of the game from the Deion Sanders to the Michael Jordan to the LeBron James, their IQ is off the charts when it comes to their particular sport. And I think that because once you get to the professional level, everybody has athletic ability. But what separates uh, the good from the great, like I said, is what's between the ears and how they're able to, um, you know, make plays and be in the right positions because they studied and uh, pretty much, like I said, they are students of the game. Now, he was very smooth on how he would respond. It wasn't jerky. Um, it was very smooth. And when I talk about smooth, um, if you've ever watched, uh, and I believe Terrell Owens had this ability, he would show people how you would stop a route and, and hit that route, uh, running a wide receiver route without being jerky. It was just smooth and gone. Right. And, and watching your father play uh, for what I did today in, in a couple of days, uh, he was very smooth. Nothing jerky about it. He was, I even watched him block a kick. That yeah. was insane. Yeah, and I think uh, Lamar Parrish, Lamar Parrish picked it up and went uh, for the score. But, I believe uh, that was the one. Yes. Yeah, he was definitely a technician. Um, he was a uh, technician, and um, that really helped him extend his career. I think uh, Coach Dick LeBeau, 
when he came, uh, like I said, this last two or three years or four, three or four years, he was like he had kind of gotten some bad habits, but then working with uh, Coach LeBeau, that kind of put him back on the right track. But he was definitely uh, a technician. And one of the things that I like to mention to, to tell a lot of people is that, yes, he's fifth all time, but he's number two as the only true corner because a lot of the guys um, that had, I know um, Paul Krause is 81, but yeah. a lot of the guys on that list actually later on in their careers uh, switched to from uh, cornerback to safety. Uh, but he maintained, he stayed on that corner the entire 15 years of his career. And he never, you know, transitioned to that safety position. And he probably could have played. I mean, he was always in great shape. Um, and he he always talked about Muhammad Ali went out on top. So he was like, he always wanted to go out on his terms. And um, But I definitely think he could have played a couple more years, uh, even possibly switching over to safety. But now, he, he, he wanted to go out, uh, like I said, still on top. And, and, and he did. Um, in fact, you brought up Coach LeBeau. Now, Coach Dick LeBeau is an, was an amazing athlete in, a, in and of himself, you know, in his own right. Yes. Um, I read here on Bengals.com that in your father's 14th and 15th year, uh, Coach LeBeau uh, basically talked him out of retirement and said, you have to beat me when it comes to uh, interceptions. Yep. And I think he got his last two. Uh, he got a couple to pass and was in Minnesota. So uh, that was like, a, I guess, a running joke of, uh, between the two that he was able to uh, catch uh, Coach LeBeau on the interception record. So that was, um, that, was, that was pretty neat. Now I'm looking at the people in front of him. Uh, a guy that uh, Night Train Lane, who I've watched him play, and I would not want to go over the middle for him. I just oh, definitely do that. yes. Um, you would get a clothesline. They wouldn't <laughs> yeah, do that today, but back it then. was legal. It was legal. It was legal <laughs> during that time. I mean, it was it was definitely more. Uh, it was a rough. It, a lot of things were illegal back then. So. No, no, I, that that would not work. And of course, uh, <laughs> Paul Krause. But I. I thought this was interesting, and uh, and I got some stats here I want to read, and uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, your dad played 207 games, which is incredible, around, mm-hmm. that, around that. When he was 36 years old, he had eight interceptions, and that yeah. was second in his c- career. I think he had nine one year. Yes, he actually had the record for like uh, – Oh, wow, 20-something years. And then uh, I can't think of the corner that uh, broke his record. Uh, but, yes, he had, he had nine. And then his last two years, I think he had eight. And his last year, I think he had eight um, interceptions and uh, two touchdowns. Uh, so, um, yeah, he only got better. I mean, at 36 to lead the AFC in conference and interceptions uh, speaks volumes for itself and the consistency that he was able to do that for 15 years. Um, so I, I have the most respect for him and what he was able to accomplish because growing up, like I said, just growing up, a lot of times you're just, you come immune to it. You think, oh, that's normal. And then when I actually started playing myself and realized that in the, the amount of work and the amount of, you know, time and the, the things that it takes to be great, I, I mean, then it just my admiration just went through the roof because it is, it's, it's, for one, it's a job. 
and the amount of pressure though people don't realize the pressure that these athletes are, are on because it's a job you know this is how you feed your family so and then playing for coach paul brown yes who was like no nonsense he was like um <laughs> people could get cut at any time you know you could get cut at halftime so you always had to you know bring your you know your, your a game at all times and so i just had the most you know i can't say it much i can't say it enough that you know that i had the most respect for him for all the things that he's accomplished and the way he carried himself even to this day like I say he was to a fault sometimes i think he was very um too modest at times and never pushed his you know never gave himself enough credit and that kind of hurt him to this day because of like if he would have been a little bit more flamboyant definitely i think that he would have been in the hall of fame by now but that's just not in his nature uh he thought that um his uh place will always speak for himself and um like i said so i i definitely respect that about him now, um, I, you mentioned Lamar Parrish a moment ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I did. I looked at him, and I was like, wow, this guy is incredible, too. From 1970 to 1976, he recorded 47 interceptions. So, basically, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the Pittsburgh Steelers being in the same division that y'all were in, uh, that Cincinnati's in, uh, the Bengals should have been to multiple Super Bowls. We, you talk about Greg Cook. I believe he right. messed up his shoulder. Uh, you had an incredible team. Well, what most people don't know that during those times where the uh, Pittsburghs were uh, winning those Super Bowls, the Bengals actually had a better uh, win-loss record against the, against the Steelers. Really? So, it, yeah, it wasn't that the Steelers, they, they, they could handle the Steelers. I guess it was a matchup thing, but it was outside of the Steelers where they had a lot of problems. But like you said before, like Lamar Parrish was, you know, he was one of the greats. He was definitely um, – the Deion Sanders before Deion Sanders because he had some <laughs> heck of a punt returns and uh, kickoff returns. So uh, that's what added to Lamar was that he he also was that, you know, that kickoff and punt returner. So. Now, um, there is a game I want to ask you about and uh, see if you have any stories. The the Ice Bowl or the uh, – mm-hmm. the, uh, the it wouldn't be the ice bowl. I forgot the name of right off the head. Uh, the the uh, freezer bowl. Freezer bowl. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, your dad played in that. Yes. Did Did he tell you what it was like to play in that game? Only that it was the coldest day of his life, and uh, I know I we just talked about it not too long ago. That you know when because he had a golf tournament, but. He, he mentioned that, you know, the wearing of the pantyhose and uh, just how brutally cold it was. And um, that was basically, though, just just a cold game. Now, but, when we, nothing when, major. When I was growing up um, here in Tennessee, and I'm going to get to a connection between you and me that you may not know about. Okay. Um, when I was growing up here in Tennessee, whenever it would snow, which happens every now and then a, a half an inch and the whole state shuts down. It's just how it is <laughs> right. up here in Tennessee. Right. Um, I, I'd call my buddies and we'd go to uh, a, a park where, where I went to church close by and, you know, the ground be frozen and, and we'd tackle and, you know, we'd come back with cuts and that was fine at 16 at, at 49. Right. If I did this, I would have to, you take me to the hospital. Okay. <laughs> Correct. That is like 20 degrees 
I, what I want to say is that game was in the negative. Yes. And and yeah. you're out there playing football, and that, and even Ken Anderson, good gracious, could he even throw that ball with that type of weather? It was amazing. That was amazing. That's that's one of the things that he said though. He was like Ken was throwing through that that cold weather, like I mean, like it was nothing. Uh, so that was a, that was an awesome game, definitely. Did you get to go to the Super Bowl? I did. I was there. I remember it vividly because it was definitely cold in Detroit. And, <laughs> yes, uh, was, you know, coming from Florida, a big shock, uh, but very disappointing. I remember to this day, like, I can't believe Pete Johnson was able to get in from the, you know, the half-inch half line, you know. So it was That game uh, changed a couple of franchises for a while, didn't it? It sure did. I mean, it was – they took off from there. Hey, the 49ers, that was the first of, of many. So it was definitely like it changed now, a lot of franchise history. Now, I want to kind of give you that connection that I'm talking about, okay? Mm-hmm. That you and you and I are connected by a city. Okay. All right. Uh, you go on, you Google your dad's name, and I found his picture. Uh, uh-huh. His hair, I, I have no hair, and I'm just amazed. By <laughs> you see, hair. I don't have any. Well, know, well so. I mean – there, there you go. There you go. Um, I'm there with you. So I'm wearing my Titans hat to cover up my my balding <laughs> head here. But uh, and and yes, I am biased, and I'm a fan. You're telling me these stories, and I'm just geeking out here. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I googled your dad, and I found out he worked in a movie. He was in a movie. Now, am I right? He was in Coal Miner's Daughter. Nah, I have no idea about that. Okay. You sure. All right. Because when I Google it, I saw some every, – I, I Google them from time to time, and I saw something that said Coal Miner's Daughter, but I don't know what that's about. Okay. I really don't. Coal Miner's Daughter is the story of Loretta Lynn. Uh-huh. Loretta Lynn lives about a half a mile behind where I live. Oh, wow. So I'm like the Hurricane Mills, Tennessee uh, connection, that if your dad was in this, according to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, <laughs> I don't think that's true, though. I uh, really don't. See. Yeah, because I Googled that, and, it, and, it, and I saw Ken Raleigh come up, but I'm like, why is that coming up? Uh, I That one that got wrong there. Well, he wasn't see. in that movie. Well, okay, guys. That just <laughs> deflated my – I was trying to make a connection. I know. Here. I'm sorry. I, I, oh, that's I'm all right. Sorry, that's all right. No, but I thought movie. I thought we just had a connection here, and, and you know, now I, I just can't trust the internet anymore. <laughs> Hey, sometimes sometimes they get it wrong, but yeah. well, it happens. It happens. Yeah. But I do have a, a couple more questions for you, and and I appreciate your time today. Oh, no, I thank you. Like I say, anytime I can speak about my father and help keep his name out there, and uh, one day, like I said, eventually get him to the Hall of Fame, I appreciate you know giving me the opportunity to speak about him. And you actually doing your homework. I know you're a fairly young guy, and and that's the thing. Most people probably never heard of my father. Or, you know, a lot of the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's, it's unfortunate, but there were some great players, and there still are some great players, and it's just sometimes, um, depending on the market and the media, and it's just one of those things. So I, I thank you for giving me the opportunity, oh. and thank you for everything that you've said and you've been doing to uh, support my father. Uh, no, and, 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 you know, um, on my Twitter account, which I think we're friends now, Right, uh, we're going to push your father, uh, and I believe he'd be with the senior committee by yes. now, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, 
they have where you can uh, vote for different t players, but I don't think we can vote for the senior. No, we, you can't do it for the senior. But we can have some influence. We're going to get your dad in. And when you're standing there at Canton, because I know you're going to be the one doing it, and you're fighting back the tears because it's going to be a beautiful moment, my friend. It will be a beautiful moment. Well, we put it on tape now. You have an open invitation. I work for Southwest, so I will get you to now, the uh, ceremony. Now, now, now look, <laughs> look, I wasn't gunning for that, but I will take it. But I want you to realize that yeah. the, the Sports History Network, Arnie and me and everybody else on our group, you know, if we can be there, that'd be fine. I, I will pack right. my bags and head to Canada. <laughs> but if we can't, you have us in spirit because uh, number one, people said it's longevity. It's not longevity. Uh, people had said that Cal Ripken, with his uh, uh, consecutive games, was he only got the hits and the home runs for longevity. The guy was a warrior, right? And the very fact yeah. that your dad did what he did, it doesn't matter if it was fifteen years or twenty years. In yeah. that time, they passed the ball 45% of the time, which means in 45% of the time, your dad got that many interceptions. That takes more skill than what people are giving him credit for. So that that alone, uh, you should be proud, and I know you are. I know I you are. I really am. And I said thanks for the kind words. And also, they were playing 14 games at a time yes. a lot of those years too. So uh, – and – I hear the longevity. I hear playing on the opposite side of Lamar Paris. And then my other argument is that, okay, well, but to all the guys that's playing on the other side of Deion Sanders, you know, you still have to be in, even if they threw at you every down, you still have to be in position to make the play. You still have to be good enough to be a starter in the NFL for 15 years from 69. For, I mean, you still have to be that, that speaks volumes, you know, for, the work he's put in and uh, the consistency in, in doing something like that. So I just, it, it really, it really just bothers me when people, you know, make those arguments about like, say like the longevity or he played the opposite of this person and, you know, just, I don't understand it. Fifth all time that has ever played the game. Number two, cor true corner. He never switched to safety. And I, I mean, 65, I just, I, that's a huge number. And, and from me playing, uh, I know how hard it is to get an interception. With people passing more than they did before now, you're not, no one's going to hit that number for a long time. Yeah, it's, that, it's hard. It's, it's, it's definitely hard. It's not, it's not something that's just easy to do. Um, now, you're, uh, I did read this story, and I'm hoping that the internet is right with this one, you know, <laughs> that your dad saved a certain commentator named Chris Collinsworth on a, from a wild turkey chase. Yes, I did hear that one. That one, that was true. I don't know the details of that one, but uh, that sounds like something he would, he would do. You know, he would, he, he would end up giving up the joke and like, you know, letting him off the hook. So, yeah, no, that was true. Okay, see, so the internet is half right tonight. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I read about this is that Collinsworth was a rookie, and you haze a rookie. You don't try to hurt right. him, you haze him. And, and I'm sure your dad was hazed in 1969. That's just I'm how sure. that works. Yes. Um, and he was going to pick up a turkey for uh, Thanksgiving, and they were going to send him down in a no-lane no place, just get him lost. Right. And your dad stopped him. Now, uh, 
in closing tonight, my friend, and I appreciate again your time down in Houston. Now let's get another connection, okay? Mm-hmm. That uh, my Titans are from Houston. Right. There's the connection. I'm trying to find one, and I found one. There it know. is. Hey, that, See, that's definitely one. That's definitely See, uh, one. <laughs> that, I didn't have to reach too far for that one, but um, not at all. Give me a funny story to to send us on our way, if you would, please. Um. Well, I can tell you about fate or uh, things that really how it was just meant to be. So he told me, you know, he told me a couple of stories, but this one is always sticks in my mind because I think that the opportunity uh, meets preparation and sometimes just plain old luck. Uh, first game. Uh, you have to remember that my father never played uh, defense. He was a quarterback in college. Um, definitely a prima donna, not very physical, but um, he said he was um, first one of the first games, preseason games. He's the L9 or L7, but they, they want the gunner on the kickoff team. Yes. And he said that ball kicked off. And he said he just ran as fast as he could. Basically, his, you know, head in the air and not intentionally. He said the running back turned toward him and they just collided. Ah. And he said the runner fumbled the ball. He said his helmet came over his eye and he really didn't know what happened. Came off the sideline and Paul Brown came to him and said, you are a hitter and I like it. And he said that, you know, his eye was swollen, like huge eye, but never played anymore. But he was labeled after, you know, hitter from that point. And from that point on, the rest is history. So a lot of times, like I said, Lux meet preparation. It wasn't his intention to go and knock out that running back, kind of ran into him. But, you know, from that point on, he was, you know, he became a starter. So I thought that was like a, a great story. How can we get in touch with you if we want to talk to you? Uh, well, you got, you got a Twitter account. Well, I, I don't usually use Twitter. I just kind of joined Twitter lately now, but I do have a Twitter account. I don't even know what my Twitter is though. Um, what is my Twitter? I guess it's just Ken Riley, the Ken Riley the second. Yeah. All right. My Twitter account is Ken Riley second. Anybody want to get a hold of me? Let's get uh, hashtag Ken Riley for Hall of Fame. Let's get that going. Uh, hashtag Riley for Hall of Fame, and let's get that oh, going. Oh man, let's that's get him awesome. In. Yes, and sir. Uh, when we get back to normal and we see you up there, we're with you, my friend. Hey, we're with like you. I said, hey, mark it down. I told you if it, if, if it happens, uh, please get with me. We'll make it work some kind of way. Uh, who dat? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. You take it easy, my friend, and I appreciate okay. your time. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already... We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. 
We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time, as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.